Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old-time radio stories, but do they stand the test of time? That's what we're here to find out. Today, we return to the listener library for a suggestion from our mysterious listener, Flannery. Flannery writes, Hello, spooky hosts. I'm fairly new to old-time radio, and I got into it through your podcast, so thanks for that. I wanted to request one of my very favorite episodes I have found so far... I saw myself running from Escape. Escape was an anthology series that ran on CBS from July 7, 1947 to September 25, 1954. The show was designed to free you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure, with stories focused on life-or-death situations, many of them adapted from classic literature. I Saw Myself Running, however, was an original radio play written and directed by Anthony Ellis. A native Englishman, Ellis moved to the United States to become an actor. His earliest roles were on radio in such shows as The Lux Radio Theater, Arch Obler's Plays, and The Voyage of the Scarlet Queen. Somewhere along the way, Ellis turned his attention to writing. In 1949, Ellis began contributing scripts to a detective series called Pursuit, featuring the fictitious adventures of Inspector Peter Black of Scotland Yard. Although Ellis continued to pursue acting, he quickly gained a reputation as a writer. Ellis wrote many notable scripts for Escape, including The Game, The Abominable Snowman, and one of our personal favorites, A Study in Wax. Escape producer Norm MacDonald soon tapped Ellis to direct as well. In 1953, Ellis adapted Othello for a two-part suspense broadcast featuring Elliot Lewis, Richard Widmark, and Kathy Lewis. Ellis took over as director and producer for Suspense in 1954 and continued in that role until 1956 when William N. Robeson took the reins. I Saw Myself Running starred Georgia Ellis, veteran radio actor and wife of writer Anthony Ellis. Georgia appeared in countless radio shows during her career, but is best known for her role as Kitty in the radio version of Gunsmoke. I Saw Myself Running was performed again two years later on Suspense using all the same actors except for Georgia, who was replaced by Charlotte Lewis. And now, let's listen to I Saw Myself Running from Escape, originally broadcast February 22nd, 1953. It's late at night and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker, listen to the music, and listen to the voices. Tired of the everyday grind, ever dream of a life of Romantic adventure. Want to get away from it all? We offer you Escape. Escape. Designed to free you from the four walls of today for a half hour of high adventure. Unbelievably evil. 
the moving shadows behind you, coming closer to you, is the shadowy figure of something that could only come from a nightmare. Listen now as Escape brings you Anthony Ellis' terrifying story, I Saw Myself Running. Section, sweetie. No, but it's all right. Here. Hold on, if you're not through. No, you have it. Thanks. Uh, want the woman's page? No, thanks. Freddy. Mm hmm? I had the strangest dream last night. No? Anybody we know? Don't be funny. If you stop reading for a minute, I'll tell you about it. Okay. I was scared. Why didn't you wake me up? Why? It wouldn't have done any good. It, it's the funniest thing. It was a nightmare, I guess. You know, the kind where you see yourself running away from something or, or from somebody. Too much beer. I want to ask you. It's very important. Oh, darling. Do you notice how sometimes... In a dream, everything is happening to you, and then suddenly you find yourself standing there watching it, watching yourself, and you say to yourself, it's a dream, and I don't have to be frightened because in a minute I'll wake up. Well, I guess so. Well, something like that, I guess. Well, last night, a, a lot of other nights, Freddy, it's been different. It starts the same way, like any other dream, I suppose, but then I'm running away. Somebody I don't know is following me, and then there are two of us, both me, running. Mm-hmm. Uh, coffee still hot? Freddy? So, honey, I don't know anything about dreams. If you're asking me what I think it means, I don't know. Offhand, I'd say that last bottle of beer. Coffee. Thanks. Freddy? Mm-hmm. Nothing. How do you explain a dream? You don't. You can't. At first, it frightens you, and then as the morning passes, it fades, and by lunchtime, it's forgotten. Freddie and I went to bed early that night. I think I was a little surprised when it began again. I didn't realize I was asleep yet. But it was there. The same as the last time. A face. Only a face. Not unkind, not anything. And it was so far away, and around it was a piece of cardboard with circles drawn on it. The face in the center. And it went round and round. 
first was only a dot, and then it came closer, and the noise came with it. And everything was spinning so much it made me dizzy, but I could always see it right side up. It was very close to me, and the face was somebody's I'd never seen before. It was a man, I think, and I knew that he didn't care, and I wanted to cry. Then it was gone. I was alone in the big hall. And I thought I'd seen the place before, but I couldn't have done because I knew it was only a dream. Even then, I knew I was dreaming because I could see myself. There was a wide staircase going up into a dark place that was higher than any place I'd ever seen. I was at the foot of the stairs, looking up, and my face was frightened. I saw myself open my mouth to say something. To call upstairs into the dark. But don't come down. Please don't. I don't want to see you. I, I'm afraid. Don't come down. But I'd never heard myself before. Not really. I'd always thought I'd said things in dreams. But not this way. Not so that I really heard. And the voice wasn't my own. I found myself looking up the staircase with her. And there were two of us standing next to each other, touching. I could feel her hand. It was warm. I don't. You mustn't come down. Who is it? I don't know, Susan. I never know. But it's up there, in the shadows. It's too dark. I can't see anything. What does it look like? Well, listen. I had to be afraid of them. Well, that was a long time ago. 
I don't mind them now. I do. I mind everything you think you've forgotten. Oh, look. There's one crawling on my shoe. Will you squash the caterpillar? I can't. I, I'm afraid. All right. What is this place? It's an airplane. I've never been in an airplane before. I know. I'm afraid of them. I'll fall out. And it'll be such a long time for me to know that I'm going to die. I don't want to fall. Hold on to me. You won't fall. It's only a dream. You see, Freddy's the pilot. And he can't fly. I know he can't. You keep saying that. What? It's only a dream. It doesn't matter to you. You can wake up. I can't. I have to stay. I have to live with this all the time. Where are we going? I don't know. Look, the plane's breaking up. We're going to fall. We're going to fall now. You'll be all right. We've got our parachutes on. I know. You uh, have to count to three or, or ten and then pull the ring. I've seen them do it in the movies. We'll be all right. We'll jump. Floating sensation. I've no idea where we're so high. I've got to count to ten and pull the ring. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I, I can't find it. I can't find it. TV show we watched. It's all right. I love you. You don't have to be afraid. Uh -uh. You're right here. Everything's fine, and it's nearly four o'clock. Come on. You climb in with me. Freddy, I don't want to dream anymore. I'm afraid. It was like last night. The other night. But where is... Now listen, Sue. Freddy, look at me. Do I sound the same? Honey, you... Do I sound the same? There's two of us. When I go to sleep, when I dream, there's another woman there. That's who I've been seeing all these oh. years. It's not me. It's someone else. She's there all the time. Freddie, I don't want to dream anymore. Something's going to happen. I'm afraid. Doctor, 
and I tried to tell him about the dreams. And when I finished, he examined me, tested my heart, blood pressure. Then he said... Susan, you're tired. That's what's the matter with you. But I, I haven't been doing anything to be tired. Really, I haven't. You're overwrought. It could be a vitamin deficiency, any number of little things. But it's not serious. You're in good shape. And what you need is to get away for a few days. I feel all right. It's just that dream. The girl, the one who looks like me. I want you to forget about that dream. It's only because you're tired that you have the dream in the first place. Now, I'm going to give you a sedative to take just before going to bed. A few nights good sleep, and you'll be fit as a fiddle. I don't want to dream anymore. That's all. He patted me on the arm, smiling. Freddy smiled. And I took the little box of sedative pills home with me. I couldn't tell them. I couldn't make them understand. It wasn't just a dream. It was something that was happening. Really happening. And that night, I decided that I wouldn't sleep. I'd stay awake. And if I was awake, I couldn't dream. After Freddy was asleep, I got up and went into the living room. I got a new library book and I began to read. It was 11 o'clock then. I wish we had something to make me stay awake. This is silly. I'm a grown woman. Why should I behave like a child? But I'm afraid. Who is she? That girl. It's not a dream. And because it's not, I'm not going to sleep. I'm not... I'm not. Two o'clock. I wonder what time it gets light. It'll be easier on flight. I'll read some more. Make some coffee. At seven o'clock, I got back into bed and pretended to still be asleep when Freddy got up. I heard him making coffee, then he came back in, kissed me, and left for the office. Somehow, I stayed awake the whole day. I tried to buy something at the drugstore to stop me from sleeping. But they wouldn't give it to me without a prescription. And then, Freddie called to say he had to entertain some out-of-town people that night. After that, I had to lie down on the living room couch because I felt sick. It was 8 o'clock. I won't. I won't. I'm not going to go to sleep. I'm not going. I won't. I won't. No, but I don't feel well. 
He's got to lie down a little while. I won't sleep. In a minute, I'll feel all right. And I can get up. In a minute. In just a minute. It was cold and damp. And the other girl who wasn't me was holding a gun. We both were. And we looked behind us because around the corner, out of sight, it was following. I heard the telephone ringing. and I couldn't understand how there could be a telephone in that place. I'm tired. I, I can't run anymore. We'll rest for a minute. I wish somebody would answer the telephone. You do it. It sounds like my telephone. How can it be? Because this is only a dream. And if I wake up, I'll answer it. 
It's on the table at the end of the couch. I can wake up and answer it. No, you can't. I won't let you. I'm not going to stay here alone. I've got to wake up. You can't now. But listen. Oh, we've got to run again. It'll catch us. No. Hurry. behind us. And I ran, following a twisted passageway. And I knew that the telephone had been my last chance. My last chance to wake up. And I hadn't. I couldn't. There's a light ahead. He won't dare to follow us into the light. Are you tired? Are you? No. It's funny how we seem to almost float. I'm not tired at all. I don't think we need the guns now. I'm going to throw mine away. I'm not. I'm afraid of guns. I used to be. I'm not anymore. Wait a minute. Those two men, you see, in the entrance? Yes. I wonder why they're there. Maybe they'll try to stop us from getting out. I've got the gun. I shouldn't have thrown mine away. Well, it'll be all right. Come on. It's Freddy. Freddy and Dr. Peters. I know. Freddy. Freddy. It's me. Susan. Everybody wants Susan. Don't come any closer. But it's following us. We've got to get out. You'll have to go back. No. Go back, Susan. Go back into the past. No. No. You can't come out anymore, Susan. But I must. Let me talk to them, Susan. You let me talk to them. I'll take care of it. You'll see. I saw her walk slowly to the entrance, to where it was light and there was sunshine. And the three of them talked very quietly. I couldn't hear what they were saying, but I knew it was about me. And ever so faintly, I heard the sound of the thing that was waiting somewhere in the blackness of the passage. <laughs> She was pointing at me. And Freddy was laughing. And it made me angry. So angry that I forgot to be afraid. I ran over to them, and as I did so, they blocked the entrance, linking their arms to keep me back. He's told us all about you, Susan. It's taken a long time to find you out. Stop it. There's no such person. She's me. She's Susan. This is only a dream. I can wake up. She'll tell you. My dear Susan, how can we ask her if you say she doesn't exist? You're tired, overwrought. Oh, I'm not. You mustn't say that. It isn't true. Please, let me out. I'm cold. I'm afraid. You kept her down here all your life. Now, because you're afraid and cold, you expect us to let you out and make her go back inside. Freddy, it's me. I'm your wife. Freddy. I've always been fair. I want to be fair this time. Oh, yes. We have to be fair. Sue, what do you think? Should we let her out? Oh, no. She'll only wake up and leave me here. I want to wake up this time. Let her stay. You, you're crazy. She's not Susan. I am. She's nobody. She's in the dream. Stop it. 
Frank. We have to be fair. We really do. If you only weren't so tired, so overwrought. I suggest we take a vote. Yes, that's eminently fair. A vote. I think so, too. We'll vote yay or nay on the proposition. That's the way it's done at board meetings in my office. Yay or nay. We let her out. Yay. We don't let her out. Nay. Sue? Nay. Doctor? Nay. And I cast my vote. Nay. The vote has been taken and duly recorded. You can't mean stay here. I won't. I won't. I think that you'd better talk to her, Susan. You're a woman. It's better that way. Doctor and I'll wait for you outside. All right. But don't be afraid. You don't have to be afraid now. That comes later when you have to go back into the passage. When I wake up. You can't wake up. Never. You're not alive. I want to tell you something. When I wake up, I'm not going to be like you. I'll never dream ever again. You're going to stay here alone. Just the way you made me do it all your life. You can run. You can run and never be able to escape. But I shan't come here to be with you. Listen. It's waiting for you. Can you hear it? No. Please. Don't make me. Please. You get me. Please. It won't get you if you keep running. But you mustn't ever stop. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. Oh, please. Don't let me go back. I'm Susan. I've got to wake up. Please. I'm afraid. It's so dark. So dark. I've got to run. I think I'll wake up now. Give me a kiss. Sus. 
matter with your voice? I Saw Myself Running, written and directed by Anthony Ellis, starring Georgia Ellis as Susan, with Sammy Hill as Sue. Featured in the cast were John Stevenson and Edgar Barrier. Editorial supervision is by John Meston. And the special music for the church is composed and conducted by Lee Stevens. Next week... I Saw Myself Running from Escape here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. And that was from Flannery, a mysterious listener who uh, had a request for us. This is a really interesting piece of work. This uh, There's a lot to talk about here. Particularly for an episode of Escape. Let's start with that. It kind of uh, veers a little from a normal Escape. A little bit, but Escape, I think, ventured more into the area of fantasy mm-hmm. and supernatural and even sometimes science fiction a little more than suspense. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Casting the Runes. Right. Escape did a two-part sci-fi one called The Earth Abides. I'm probably forgetting a couple more. But yes, it's very different from most of the ones we've listened to. It's definitely not jungle adventure, but nope. it is as dreamscape as a exotic foreign land, though. Right. Yeah. It's the same idea. I remember the woman's section of the paper. That's how old I am. <laughs> went right to my mom's lap. Across the room. Here! <laughs> that was funny, because when I heard that, I had this little bit of a chuckle. Oh, the woman's pages is kind of sexist. And then he said, uh, hey, you had too much beer last night. And I right. went, women don't drink beer. <laughs> well, he, so I was like, oh, whoops, said, He was talking about the last beer you had. I'm like, how many beers did she have? Right. This was a binge. <laughs> <laughs> and how do you know it's the last one that was the problem? <laughs> I think he mentions it a second time. Yes, he does. Oh, he yeah. does. He's mad about the drinking. He's he's Johnny supportive, by the way. I've had some dreams, and I'm having an issue. Uh-huh. He's he not. He's just your classic, indifferent, 1940s radio man I husband. I would have put everything down, looked at my wife, and said, Oh, that's really crazy. Let's talk about it. Have some more beer. (laughs) (laughs) He's so dismissive of her. He's just so dismissive of this is an issue. pops up in several stories, but it's, on the one hand, I think, I'm like, ah, yes, this is a story about you should pay attention to the feminine point of view and not just dismiss it because it's been dismissed so traditionally. On the other hand, I think, uh, is this a story about what if? Women were actually not just blithering on about nothing, but it actually was something. Wouldn't that be horrible? (laughs) I think it's a little more 
pointed because there is the yellow wallpaper diagnosis that she gets about <laughs> yes. you. You're tired and yeah. overwrought. Yeah. You're um, to be locked in a room. <laughs> but mm-hmm. then Anthony Ellis makes it part of her nightmare. So it makes me think he's aware of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because at the end, when the psychiatrist and the husband and the doppelganger are blocking her way from escaping the dream, he keeps saying it over and over again. You're tired. Mm-hmm. You're overwrought. So I think think it was intended at the time to be a stereotypical dismissal. Right. Yeah. To gain the listener's support for mm-hmm. her. To make him a bad guy yeah. Yeah. in a certain sense. Uh, um, the story's also over if he immediately like <laughs> is concerned <laughs> for her, right? He has to dismiss it to a certain degree. It's but, not over, over. She's still got to run away from herself. <laughs> true, but if he found some actual real help Within the narrative, right, I right. guess there is no real. Yeah, well, we're getting an MRA, honey. <laughs> MRI, not an MRA. An MRA isn't that a ration? <laughs> yes. <laughs> From World War II. Uh, I'm very concerned. Let's get you an MBA. <laughs> That's <right>. <laughs> <laughs> you MRS. <laughs> so I found it very interesting to have a female narrator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, that doesn't happen very often. And rarely happens in Escape, mm-hmm. specifically. It's a very masculine show. Yeah, so it's from her point of view. Mm-hmm. It's her narration. And the other thing that's cool about the narration, and it's been done before, but I really like narration where it's speaking of it in the past, but it's happening right now. You know, then I walked into a hall, so that's in the past, but her voice gets echoey, you know? Yeah. So it, it's that idea of combining this from the past but it's also taking place in the present. I really enjoy that style of storytelling. Yeah, and speaking of her describing the events, she's describing these dreams, and at one point she says something along the lines of, how do you explain a dream? You don't, you can't. And it made me think about conveying dreams through art, and I suddenly had this revelation that really radio is the perfect medium Mm -hmm. for conveying dreams, because there's some great visual art with dreams, but radio literally is theater of the mind. It yep. is a cooperative, lucid dream you're having with right. the artists who have created this. You are creating this in your head, and you're seeing it the same way you see a dream. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be exactly the dream you would have, not right. anyone else. So it's perfect. Stories about dreams, and particularly like movies, any, anything that starts to mess with the idea of losing between the the line between dreams and reality what is a memory you have of a dream you've had what is a dreamed memory that you didn't actually experience and all these distinctions getting blurry i'm very vulnerable to those kinds of stories like they really tweak me out <laughs> uh so this was starting to push that button like with me and vampire stories we've talked about that before like yeah. I'm, I'm immediately like ah don't touch my neck <laughs> <laughs> interesting so what was, I thought, structurally really effective was that she starts out, I have total power over this dream. I can leave whenever I want. I'm just an observer. Mm-hmm. And the impact of the switch were like, no, you can't wake up. You can't leave. You're stuck here. And, and are, as she becomes aware that that's what's going to happen. The show telegraphs that, yes. but is still effective. That's yeah. exactly right. It's I, not I, about the surprise. It's no. A, it's about listening to it and going, are they really going to do it? Right. Is this really going to happen? Is she really going to replace her? Yeah. And they did it, and you're like, wow. Well, just the question of who that other person was. Right. They didn't I wimp out. They went just full nightmare mode, right. where your wife wakes up, looks just like her, mm. only has a different voice. And, and I just, caught in a, a second listen where she asked her husband early on, of, do I sound different? Yes. 
I caught that the second time too. Like, it really sets you up as the listener to be like, something's gonna happen here. Yeah, which mm. it indicates to him of like, she does sound different now. Something bad happened, which he might have not having heard that, just thought, oh, her stuffed up or. It also brings up the concept that dreams don't take place inside your head. It is us visiting a different realm, not that we are just mm. inside our own head and thinking of weird things it doesn't vanish during your waking hours right we we're actually leaving our bodies and going somewhere Mm -hmm. that's an interesting concept too yeah and one i choose not to think about too much (laughs) (laughs) and there are a lot of other stories like this where there's an evil entity getting at you through your dreams or some nightmare on elm street yeah Yeah, but here this idea of a splintered version of you the dream you mm-hmm. who suffered everything you've ever been afraid of right who just wants escape <laughs> uh, <laughs> seems like an original take on it uh, the only thing i could think of like it uh just a slight diversion here if any listeners are fans of twin peaks i know tim has watched oh it. yes there's so much in here that reminded me of twin peaks because yeah. <laughs> david lynch is really obsessed with dreams and blurring the reality between the two and there are some like did David Lynch hear this moment? <laughs> well, doppelgangers are something that he's obsessed with in Twin Peaks, and that's the main yeah, that's idea amazing. behind this story. Also, the end, uh, when she wakes up and has a different version of herself inside her body, is straight out of the season two cliffhanger of Twin Peaks. <laughs> <laughs> this was a lot of fun for a David Lynch fan. And there's even this little tiny moment when they wake up in this garden, there's a single bird who sings strangely and sadly, which yeah. <laughs> reminds me of this very specific dream clue in Twin Peaks. Uh, where we're from, the birds sing a pretty song, and there's always music in the air. So I was <laughs> like, I kept thinking of the little man in the red suit dancing during this entire thing. But I uh, booked a television commercial a few months ago. I read the script, and they're like, get it? Get it? It's good, right? It's good ending, right? And I'm like, ha yeah, because, you know, 90% of the time, I don't care what they're doing. Just, did is the check written? <laughs> is it here now? I don't know what I'm selling. So anyway, the point being is that I finally, I had to just give up. And I, I'm so sorry. I No, I don't know what's going on. Oh, it's a Twin Peaks joke. <laughs> Get it? You're in a room, and all, and there's the guy that's doing this, and you're in a red room with this floor, and you're wearing this tie, and I don't know what's going on. And I'm like, oh, what do I have to do? Oh, you just stare at them. And I said, great, thank you. <laughs> so I don't have to be in on it or go watch Twin Peaks, because I've never seen it. Oh, that's a whole other podcast I'd like to do, is yeah. make, make you watch Twin Peaks. Uh, you don't think I'd like it? I wonder if I'd like it. You'd be confused by a lot of it. Um, um, but... Not because you, Eric, would be confused about it. There's a lot to be confused by. In okay, it. Yes. Yeah, it's, that sounded it's not like, very literal. Because you're stupid. No, it's not That's unrelated. very literal. Yes, it's very dreamlike. <laughs> so anyway, I'll show you my commercial, and you guys can either go, ha hilarious, good ending, or you two will probably go, um, actually. Well, <laughs> well you no, got that totally standing wrong. Standing and staring is the right response. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so no, I don't know anything about Twin Peaks. That's it's like my this. point. <laughs> it's like this. <laughs> um, speaking of the bird, there's a lot of fantastic dreamlike things that really help this episode make it even more compelling. That bird isn't like any bird I've ever heard. <laughs> I just caught myself. Uh, but my point is, it's a weird sounding bird. It sounds like a bird from a dream, and I really like that. Plus, 
the phone ringing in her dream. Uh, there's some Foley things that really mm-hmm. I thought were phenomenal to create this dream world. Yeah. Some of it were the transitions where when she's talking about the caterpillar and she stomps on it and the second she stomps in the caterpillar, it just cuts straight to the plane sounds and they're in, in yeah. a plane. Um, yeah. So they're placed really well. There's mm-hmm. none of these slow transitions. Well, there's a couple spots where it's just jump. this sort of droning noise, that I mean, the plane being one of them. But. Yeah, and there's a strange kind of metallic droning sound that goes with the dark, scary face thing that's chasing them throughout the dream. Yeah, that was the face surrounded by cardboard that was spinning... What was going on there? And that's where it felt really dreamlike because yeah. it has this quality of being strange and alarming yet unremarkable, <laughs> even kind of banal. You know? yeah. So like that's very much what a dream is like. It seems the scariest thing ever, but then when you describe it, it was like a face with cardboard spinning around it. And everyone's <laughs> like, what? Why was that scary? <laughs> no, it was terrifying. <laughs> I like the greatest hits of dreams that everyone has we have a falling dream in the airplane we have the telephone ringing and you become lucid enough to know that Mm -hmm. that's a sound from outside my dream i'm not in a dream i can wake up now and go answer that yeah um i feel like there's another one too well the premise of the whole show is seeing yourself in a dream yeah and there's also a really great philosophical layer to this whole thing and that is the argument between fear and logic. She's having that argument with herself, but that really is what we're doing all day, every day as human beings, is <laughs> arguing with ourselves over fear and logic. There's nothing to be afraid of. Yes, you can say that all you want, but... What if all your fears were true? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, I, I think this is the experience of having a nightmare. That, yes, if you logically look at what was frightening you, it's uh, insubstantial. Mm-hmm. But in a dream, that, that logic side of that argument just loses, and it's just, I'm afraid. Yep. There's a great little mirroring thing they do to reflect that Susan, um, the narrator, is losing control of the dream world. Because we have the scene in the garden where Sue, with the childlike voice, sees the caterpillar and says, I'm afraid. And mm. Susan says, well, I'm not afraid of caterpillars anymore, but I still am. So that's where we see this moment where like, oh, one outgrows the fears, the other one is trapped with them forever. Mm-hmm. But then later we have this strange moment where they suddenly both have guns. Yeah. Right. And Susan, her narrator, says, I'm afraid of guns. And Sue says, I'm not. <laughs> yeah. And you're yeah. like, oh, now there's something that she's afraid of, but the dream doppelganger isn't. And I thought that was a nice, really subtle, again, didn't catch it till the second listen. This is definitely yeah. a listen twice mm-hmm. episode. Yeah, the guns thing was really interesting. And the fact that she just dropped her gun. What? Why? Just mm-hmm. hang on to it. You never, that'll always come in handy in this world, right? <laughs> just keep it. I know imminent threats. Flash come. forward to Eric being shot by his own gun. <laughs> Let's not. Okay, rewind. <laughs> um, is this a thing, subscription, not prescription? She didn't get a prescription for the drug. She got a subscription. Is that... I don't know if they misspoke it. I mean, I caught that right. too. But I, That's what I'm trying to Each time I heard it, I thought, oh, I must have heard it wrong. But I heard it wrong both times. The subscription is what they're saying. And I'm wondering, did it used to be called a subscription? I don't think so. I think it's either okay. a flat-out mistake or it's just kind of mumbly enough that... It's just an etymology thing that yeah. I want to clear it up. I wanted to I'm know. I'm not sure. I wonder if she just got like some magazines with it once a month. <laughs> <laughs> 
One of the other uh, things that happened to me while listening to this, uh, which forced the second listen, is her trying to stay awake made me unbelievably <laughs> sleepy. Oh, yeah. And I fell asleep. <laughs> I went, no, don't go. Although the tactic of reading a library book to stay awake, I'm like, come on. That's, that's like... I know I'll stay awake. I listen to an old time radio show. <laughs> That's like a rookie move. <laughs> I must stay awake. Must drink chamomile tea. Wrap Turn down in blankets. <laughs> yes. That'll keep you awake. I really enjoyed the satire of the male characters at the end. We already spoke of the shrink who's saying, You're tired, you're overwrought over and over again. But when the indifferent husband was like, Let's vote on it. That's what oh. we do in my boardroom. <laughs> yeah, I love that though. It was that very dreamlike. Ended vote sequence. Was, yeah, the dialogue in the dream was very dead on dreamlike. That happens frequently in my dreams where people are talking a little oddly. And you know. then when they decide not to let Susan escape, uh, and, the husband defers and says, "You know, it would be." better if you talk to a woman and so he lets the the creepy sue talk to susan and i think all of it is scarier because she has that childlike voice yeah so when she says to her don't be afraid you don't have to be afraid now that comes later right (laughs) and the implication that sue just has the option like i'm not gonna dream yeah (laughs) she's like i learned my lesson from you right they did a great job of the dream world from Foley to how they speak and also just little things like the phone ringing, uh, but also the fact that just a throwaway line, hey, we're not really running, we're just kind of floating. Mm-hmm. I, I yeah. love all those little details that really put you in that world. Uh, I thought it was magnificently done. That's part of the risk of a story like this of it's unsettling and frightening because you're in the dream world and anything can happen and... There's no solid ground for you to stand on. But at the same time, if you don't have some sort of structure and some sort of rules, it just becomes, well, anything can happen. What's the point in worrying about it? I mean, it's yeah. it's nonsense. Mm-hmm. And the appeal slash terror of a dream is it's mostly nonsense, but not entirely nonsense. Right. Based and in something. One of the strengths of this script is it gives you stakes. You know what's at stake pretty quickly, that the one wants out. Yeah. And the other does not want to stay in, you know. So it can get as weird and squishy as it wants because we we know what they're competing for. I frequently write two to five word sentence at the end of these in my notes here Mm -hmm. to like encapsulate. You know that improv game? uh, Describe a movie in six words or less. Mm -hmm. And like best one I ever heard was uh, Christmas Carol. Man sees ghost buys goose. (laughs) (laughs) But this one, I, my ending was, dreams are weird. <laughs> well, you're not wrong. <laughs> right? Uh, last comment. Did you notice the second time she wakes up, Susan and her husband, Freddie, uh, says, come on, you can climb in with me? I did. Wow, they even had to have separate beds in a radio show, not just TV. Mm-hmm. That was bizarre to me because so I always thought it was crisis, the visual problem. It was okay to have her like... Yeah. Come on over to the other single bed. <laughs> <laughs> right. They're sleeping in separate beds. It was a weird moment. Yeah. Let's throw it to a vote. Uh, I'll start. I think the uh, performance by, uh, what's her name? Georgia Ellis. Yeah. Uh, it was phenomenal. I thought it was just a brilliant performance. I thought the writing was really good. And as Tim has pointed out many times uh, here that, you know, this is a difficult and uh, risky thing, writing about dreams. And it was so well done 
that I felt like I was actually in a dream. I loved everything about this. Uh, it ranks up there with one of my favorite escapes. Yeah. Like we say so often, in the same case with suspense and uh, quiet, please, and uh, it becomes difficult to judge because the shows are so good. I can think of so many fantastic episodes of Escape that it makes me hesitate to say it. It's a classic, but it, it's a classic. It's really, really good. It's strong yeah. writing and strong performances. Yeah, I didn't vote on that. I'll go with you. I'll give a classic. It doesn't have the same reputation as these other Escape episodes, and they, they well deserve it, but, but this is really good. Yeah. Yeah, I say underrated classic, particularly because, again, it's a female narrator with a great performance. Also, the dream episode has become a almost tiresome cliche. Like, every TV show right. has a dream episode, even if they aren't in the realm of fantasy or science fiction. And this does it so well, yeah, so yeah. much better. Like I said, it has stakes, and that ending is killer. Classic all the way. Thank you, Flannery. Yeah, it, it, this episode is one of the few where I would I would love to see part two. Like this guy's life, <laughs> trying to figure out what happened to his wife is an interesting storyline. It would be. Yeah. It would be. It'd then probably he be horrifying. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, Tim, tell him stuff. Please go visit ghoulishdelights.com. That is the home of this podcast. You can find information about our live shows there, and it's a great way to get a hold of us. Uh, you can leave comments on individual episodes. You can send us a message. You can link to our social media pages. Let us know what you think of the podcast. And if you have episodes you'd like us to listen to, we'll add it to the list. It's a long list. We're getting through it, but uh, we'll get there eventually. Yeah, you can also go to patreon.com slash themorals and support this podcast. Uh, please become a member of the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society. We've got a lot of great rewards at different levels. Um, we also have a Secrets of the Mysterious Old Radio monthly members-only podcast with a lot of oddball selections uh, for our special mm -hmm. members. Um, you could also go to Facebook, uh, where we have a listening group, the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Group, very creatively named. <laughs> and we have a lot of great discussions there. We also put a lot of polls on there to get listener feedback and to see what you think about different selections uh, we're thinking of, including a, a vote on what we'll be listening to next week for our 150th episode. So if you want to participate in some of those decisions, please become a member of that group. And uh, comment about our live shows. We, as a theater company, do live shows under the name Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society that are performed recreations of old-time radio shows. When you look that up, and if you're in the area, or maybe someday we'll start traveling the country. I don't know. Yep. I doubt it. <laughs> I doubt it. I got too much to do. But uh, please, come and see us uh, uh, do that. We have... A almost monthly at least something coming up somewhere Got a lot going on we have a lot right now like to the point of whoops <laughs> <laughs> we probably shouldn't have said yes to all that speaking of our 150th episode joshua yeah. so for our 150th episode we decided to do something a little different and that is present a significant old-time radio show that we have yet to hear on the podcast and uh we put a number of shows online for listeners to vote for and the hands down winner was Nightbeat starring Frank Lovejoy so next week we'll be listening to an episode called Am I My Brother's Keeper until then Look out! why are we from the first thing a freshly sung and there's the voice music in here dreams are weird <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> right.